Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton Podcasts. Knowledge at Wharton is the online research and business analysis journal of the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Had you met Helen Grainer when she was a student at MIT in the late 1980s, you might not have pegged her as the future head of a consumer and military products company. She was quiet, a bit shy, and as even she would agree, something of a nerd. But she shares a key trait with many successful business leaders, a passion for something. In her case, it happens to be robots. That passion led Grainer, along with Colin Angle and Rodney Brooks, to found what would become iRobot in 1990. Over the past four years, iRobot has sold more than one and a half million robots for cleaning people's floors and has deployed more than 300 tactical military robots in Iraq. The company completed its initial public offering on November 15, 2005. Earlier today, Grainer gave a presentation at Wharton sponsored by the school's entrepreneurship and technology clubs. She has agreed to sit down with Makul Panja, executive editor of Knowledge at Wharton, myself, Robbie Shell, editorial director of Knowledge at Wharton, and Kendall Whitehouse, contributing editor, technology, to talk about her fascination with robots and what impact robots have and will have on our everyday lives. We have excerpted some of her comments for this short podcast. The complete interview will be published soon as a Knowledge at Wharton article. Kendall, I know you have a number of questions to ask. Why don't you start? Helen, how did you first become interested in robots? Well, I saw Star Wars when I was 11 in the theaters, and uh, I was enthralled by O2D2 because uh, he was more than a machine. He was uh, a character, he had a personality, and he was really one of the stars of the show. And is it true that at the time you didn't know that R2-D2 was actually played by a character in a costume? Yes, my, my big brother told me that uh, Kenny Baker actually played R2-D2, and that burst my bubble a slight amount, but I was hacking on a computer, a TRS-80, that my parents had bought for the family at the time, and I could see the connection between what was shown in science fiction in Star Wars and what could be built in the future with technologies that was just emerging uh, for the computer industry at the time. What's the goal of iRobot as a company? Our goal at iRobot is to build practical and affordable robot systems. So um, we're not there to do uh, demonstrations of technology. We're not there to, um, you know, talk about stuff that's going to happen 50 years from now in ro robots, although that's going to be extremely exciting. We really concentrate on practical and affordable systems for today. So, for example, we have 1.5 million Roombas helping people clean their homes every day. You push a button, it comes out, it does the sweeping and vacuuming for you, and when you get back, it's on its charging station charging itself. And our Roombas run between $150 and $330, so practical and affordable. 
You just talked about uh, one of your consumer products, the Roomba, and you've got another consumer product, the Scuba. Uh, and I think a number of folks have heard about those or seen your ads. They may even own one. We certainly uh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but your first products or your earlier products were actually government and industrial robots. Tell us about those. Mm. Well, our first products um, were designed for research labs. It was a market that was very um, forgiving. So what... Well, you know, it was a community that we were at us, so we were, people were calling at MIT and saying, can I buy what was being created there? So we thought, hey, there must be a commercial application here somewhere, and we sold robots to uh, the research labs. More recently, we have um, military products in combat in the field today. We have over 300 packbots helping our troops in Iraq. They uh, are involved in bomb disposal, so terrorists are littering the country with thousands of bombs, and they used to send soldiers up to remediate the bombs wearing a bomb suit. And now um, they send our robots downrange, they drop off a, a shape charge, move away, and cause sympathetic detonation of the bomb so the soldiers get to stay at a safe standoff distance. And the robots today have been credited with saving the lives of dozens of U.S. soldiers uh, in this application. So we're really proud of that work. I don't think anyone in their right mind would object to having a robot vacuum your floor. But do you find resistance to robots uh, kind of as a concept in, in doing tasks that humans have been doing? Is there some sort of science fiction element of this that makes people nervous? Um, I don't really think so. When computers first came out, you had a lot of people worried that computers are going to obsolete humans and that they're going to take over everything. So you had everything from the Colossus Project to HAL in 2001 in science fiction. And I think it's a way for society to work through their fears. Once people have a computer on their desk and they see what it's good at doing, and more especially they see what it's not good at doing, really they don't have the same fear anymore. And it's the same with robots. One people have a Roomba in their home and it's doing the sweeping and vacuuming for them, but they see the things that it can't do yet, they really don't have fear of robots taking over the world. Let me ask the opposite question. Once they get one, do they start to treat it like a pet? Uh, I believe people buy the Roomba as an appliance, our customer base, uh, homemakers, people that just want to get the vacuuming job done, people that are used to doing it themselves. They buy it as an appliance, but once they get it home and it's going around, it's um, following the wall, it's getting around the furniture, it doesn't fall down the stairs, it has some bleeps and bloops to communicate, and the only thing in their experience that has acted that way has been uh, a pet. And so they, they actually start to name it like a pet. You don't see anyone name their toasters, but a lot of people tell me uh, they've named their Roomba. What is yours named? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, mine is named Arnold, one of them, and of the, the few others that all have names too. What's next in the area of domestic robots? Ooh, <laughs> well, we just announced a scuba a floor washing robot, and it's really cool because it, it takes the place of mopping or scrubbing the floors. So what it does is it um, cleans up the debris, and then it puts a fluid down that we've developed with Clorox. It scrubs it in, and then it picks it up on the back end. So it's a whole new process for getting the floors clean. And 
also you don't have to push it around because like the Moomba, it's an autonomous robot. And we're really excited about that because it takes the place of uh, doing the job by hand entirely. When did you first get the idea that you could build a practical consumer robot? Hmm. Well, we started the company in 1990, and it's always been centered about robots. But it wasn't until about 1999 that we started working on the Roomba development. And uh, we first put it on the market in the fall of 2002, and it's been uh, going strong ever since. What's the biggest setback you've had as a company? Hmm. Well, the staged. <laughs> uh, we, we call them learning experiences, uh, but they come in stages. Uh, one early on was we absolutely had to ship a robot, and we built it ourselves. And if it didn't ship that day, um, you know, we had, you know, everything was going to end. We couldn't pay our bills, and uh, it burst into flames at 3 o'clock in the morning when we were working on it. And uh, what that taught me is I really have two wonderful business partners, Colin Angle and Rod Brooks, because we all burst out laughing, and we went to Burger King, <laughs> and we just started rebuilding it the next day. Um, when we started the company, we were unfundable from a venture capital uh, point of view. It was really not until eight years in that we even tried to get venture capital funding. And I can talk say that I've been turned down by almost every major VC in the country, and uh, except for the five really visionary foresighted ones who, who joined us. Um, and uh, I can tell you today one of the things that uh, really makes me happy is I've had a lot of venture capitalists come up, venture capitalists come up and say to me, Helen, I was wrong. <laughs> Robots are next big thing. You've used robots in the field of archaeology. How does that work? We were asked by National Geographic if we can apply some of our robot technology to helping with a problem that they have in the Great Pyramids. There were these shafts that people had never explored. They hadn't seen for 5,000 years since they were built. And robots were the only way to get camera systems and other sensors up to places where the archaeologists wanted to get more information. Didn't you have to adapt these robots somehow to, to handle the, the sort of the climate and the terrain in those shafts, or were, you, or were they applicable right away? We took some of the technologies from um, military robots and adapted them to a form factor that can go through these four-inch uh, square shafts. Um, we added some camera systems, an ultrasonic sensor so they can look through a blockage that was uh, um, an obstruction that was blocking the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the most difficult things we had in that project was the Egyptian authorities and National Geographic wanted to get a look through this, um, what they thought was a door. And they asked us to, to, to do it, so we brought in a drill and attached it to the robot. And they're like, you want to drill through the Great Pyramid? <laughs> and so after like 50 trials down in the, in the Queen's Chamber showing how the robot would just make a small hole that we could put a camera through, uh, they did actually let us uh, drill a hole and uh, put a camera through. Unfortunately, what they found on the other side was another blockage, so it's still a great mystery yeah. for somebody else to uh, take on solving with National Geographic and uh, the Egyptian uh, authorities. 
Your consumer products started off uh, being dedicated to a single task, but you've recently opened up those products so people can make them do other things. Can you talk about what you did there and why you did it and what folks have done with that? Well, iRobots really mean concentrating on practical, affordable systems to do chores around the home in the consumer domain. But the, the Roomba, it's an incredible robot. Price per robot capability, Roomba is really, really off the charts because we've got it into mass market manufacture and we've designed it from the ground up to be low cost. So people were coming to me all the time and saying, can I use it for this? And can I you know, take on this other application? Or when are you going to come out with this? And some of the applications, they are not in our um, projected business space or they don't have the uh, return on investment uh, that we would like to see, or they're just in markets that uh, could be really good for a smaller company, but are not ones that we are choosing uh, at this present moment. So what we did was we put an open interface on the Roomba so other people can make the Roomba into the robot that they envision. And what kind of things have they done? Have you heard stories of what people have done with this? <laughs> well, uh, a, a few stories. One, uh, making a webcam on wheels. So you can control your robot through the internet and see what the robot sees, hear what the robot hears as you drive it around. Uh, somebody made a robotic um, plant moving system so you can always be in the sun. <laughs> uh, someone was talking about making a, a swimming pool skimming robot. And most recently, just this past week, so, some hackers did a physical instantiation of the, uh, the video game Frogger. Now, we don't condone this type of activity, but it shows you just where creativity can go when you make a system open.